Today's program is brought to you by Cane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Cane5.com. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Chef's Story. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton, and today we are broadcasting from the International Culinary Center uh, with one of our alumni, albeit when it was the French Culinary Institute. We have Michael Corey uh, with us today, who's the head concept chef at OTG, um, which is a small boutique restaurant uh, company that services many airports. I think about 10 airports right now. It is. So, I am so excited. I have to tell everybody about this interview because I think what Michael does is cutting edge. It's the future, and I really can't wait to hear what it he has to say about um, dining uh, in the future, not just in, in restaurants, but how we're going to do volume dining. So welcome, Michael. Thank welcome you very much. Home. Welcome yeah, back. Yeah, it, it, it is ICC. like coming home. It really is. <laughs> That's good. Uh, unfortunately, Alain is not here, Chef Alain, today. He's, it's August, like any sane Frenchman, he's in France. But um, anyway, uh, nice to have you. So you're a Jersey boy. Huh? I am I am a dirty white trash Jersey boy. I'm very proud of that. <laughs> and, uh, Where did you grow up? I grew up in... Uh, uh, Plainfield is uh, where my family's from, mm-hmm. and uh, I grew up in uh, a town called Wachung, uh-huh. which is literally, you know, without traffic, a uh, half hour from where we're sitting. Yeah, and and um, when you were growing up, uh, were, was your family heavy into food? You know, they were. I, uh, you know, I, I hate the, the cliche, and, and you're putting me in a corner to say, both my grandparents, you know, <laughs> I, I, really, I really watch call. I, I hate when I, <laughs> I'm going to uh, do exactly what I despise. But uh, seriously, both my grandparents, my uh, on my father's side, uh, they're Lebanese. So my grandmother would grow grape leaves in the backyard and farmer's cheese in Lebanon and, and really was quite phenomenal in the Lebanese delicacies that she would make all the time. Did she make her own farmer's cheese? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know know how she made it? No, I don't. I was a little kid and just, you know, it was normal, you know, to have those, uh, you know, zatar and these great uh, grape stuff, grape leaves and fatayas. And it was just all part of our normal upbringing Um, where my mother's uh, mother uh, grew up on West 4th Street. Um, and my grandfather is from uh, Apulia. Oh, a great combination. Yep. You've got the two sides of the Mediterranean. Two sides there. of the Mediterranean. And, you know, uh, it, it was phenomenal because um, holidays, like a Thanksgiving, there would be all these great – we'd go to both their homes. And besides the American classics, we'd have all these great specialties out, whether it was uh, some type of a thick, chewy pasta – in a in a anchovy type of base sauce or baked pasta dish like that, um, and and uh, you know, did you I, have siblings? Oh yeah, I have. Uh, I have. I'm the oldest, and then yeah. there's How many four are of there? us. 
four of you. Because I was going to say, did your friends think you ate weird food? Um, the Lebanese ones. Yeah, no, not you really. You know, no. uh, did you share the food with other? Oh, kids? sure, sure. Everybody loved it. Yeah, everyone loved it. You know, it's one of those great just, you know, flavors and and food and and to dig into. You know, it's also not to uh, I'm assuming because you know a lot of it. You know, you rip a piece of lafta or pita and you just dip in and you know and and dive right into it. So that's always uh, I guess. Puts down that guard of, you know, uh, geez, how do I eat this kind of thing? Right. It's almost like a pizza. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so, yeah, people yeah. Could. So, um, so you're, I'm fascinated by your Lebanese grandmother. So the grape leaves, did you did you cook with her? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So did you watch her brine? The, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, really uh, a couple of my favorite dishes growing up as a kid, which is kind of odd because you asked me about the sibling thing. My... Brothers and sisters are really not Epicureans at all. I mean, you know, my sister, who's five years younger than me, uh, I, I think really still her diet is pizza and, and, and bagel. And if she has anything that is cooked, it, it's literally – you're probably better off eating your shoe. That's how <laughs> well cooked it is, whether it's chicken or steak or um, – my baby brother is probably the most inventive. Where You know, he likes – going out to eat with me because he likes to experience new things and try different things. But the weird part of it, all of them eating uh, Italian and eating Lebanese, they'll eat all of that. But to go out and sit and have sushi, ugh, you know, they'd be like, uh, especially my sister. But my, my two other brothers, they, they are more adventurous than that. So when did, uh, when you were growing up, did you have visions of being a chef, or did you have visions of being something else? Well, you know, I did try to – I tried a couple different things. Um, uh, one of them was to play professional hockey, and uh, and that's – still have your teeth, I, I, Well, here. I, <laughs> oh, I see. There's, some, there's a little chip there. <laughs> but but um, really, that's how my story began. Um, I was living down by the Princeton area. And working for this restaurant group, um, they, they own a place called the Tiger's Tail, right outside of Princeton. Uh, and the bartenders cook. And I thought it was, like, really interesting and kind of cool. And The bartenders cook? Yeah. What did they cook? Well, so we had, we had a grill, and we'd cook everything from a 24-ounce uh, New York, uh, I mean, a Kansas City sirloin to kebabs to burgers, roasted clams. Um, it, it, it's a really kind of a cool concept. They were either cooks that became bartenders or bartenders that became cooks? No, or? their whole, believe it or not, their whole uh, training was bartenders to become cooks. Um, they had a place called uh, uh, the Varsity Club in Fairhaven is where I uh, worked before I moved to that area. Um, and uh, a couple places in Howell. Um, and really... My savior was uh, Craig Shelton, and he would come into my bar and I'd speak with him. And, you know, I, I had no idea who he was and, you know, where other people were like, oh, my gosh, you know, like uh, the Messiah is here. Yeah, the Ryland Inn, it, very, you know, it was, what, four stars in the New York Times? Oh, yeah. Or, yeah. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. I mean, it really cool stuff. Um, and, I, you know, I, I guess because I didn't know who he was and I didn't understand that culture, I was not intimidated at all, plus... 
as a bartender, you know, you have that attitude anyway. So I was like, hey, you know, I, I want to work for you, you know. And he's like, yeah, sure. Why did you want to work for him? You know, well, I came to the point where the, you know, the reality was I was never going to be a professional hockey player. Um, and I really liked the career that I was doing. I knew there had to be more to it besides, uh, I guess, in my personality. I, I wanted more. Um, and I liked the, uh, you know, I always enjoyed cooking. And, and as a kid, I worked in every pizza parlor and, and uh, uh, this place called Uncle Vinny's Clam Bar where literally you can get, like, a great, you know, uh, vongolet and place a bet for Monday night. You know, it was like one of those kind of places where when I started, uh, actually Uncle Vinny got incarcerated. So <laughs> <laughs> You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> so... So, uh, but, you know, Craig uh, gave me a shot and uh, really was, I, I worked for him for two years before I came here. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's how I so, ended up here. Okay. So this is interesting because a lot of people say, why go to cooking school today? And he said the same thing to me. Why go to cooking school? So you've worked for a, an extraordinary chef in a great restaurant for two years. What made you feel you had to go to cooking school, and what did you learn? Well, the funny part was, you know, uh, I was, you know, with Craig, uh, you know, I, I was staging base. You know, I mean, I'd worked there, and I worked at Uncle Vinny's, and I delivered newspapers. And uh, I was probably the, the oldest newspaper delivery person on, on the planet. Like, that, you know that... That comedy remember with Chris, uh, oh, what was his name? He was in those funny Cohen movies. Oh, yeah. They made a show yeah, about yeah, yeah. That was me. I mean, yeah. as I was going here, I was still delivering newspapers. Um, so uh, Craig brought me. I said, you know, chef, you know, I need to make money at this at some point. I, I see the vision, and I think it's really great. So, of course, we went to his office, and he was like, well, you know, it's time for you now to go to France and go work for Jean Robichon. And I was like, I'm. I'm like at my in my late twenties. Like, I, I need to start making money. He goes, I said, I, I'd like to. I found this place called the French Culinary Institute. I'd love to be able to go there. And to your point, he said, you know, you work in the fish station at the Ryland Inn. You, you know, what do you want to do with it? That's exactly what he said. What you were saying. I said, you know, I want I want to be a restaurateur. He goes, well, that's the right answer. I, I, I know the the right person, the one person to call for you. Of course, I didn't have a. Uh, Something to uh, to put it in a pot or throw it out of a window, uh, but he called uh, Chef Jacques for me. Pen. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, well, Jacques Pepin. <laughs> and sure enough, I, I uh, you know, Craig Style just reached over the counter of his desk and said, "Here, talk to this guy." And uh, he was like, "Well, I'll come down to Ecole and you can meet me." And so I did. I met Chef uh, like the the next day in the restaurant and. He gave me a glass of white wine, and we spoke for a little while. And, you know, uh, Craig and, and uh, Chef, both chefs uh, helped me get enrolled in finance to come here. Wow. And so what did you learn in school that you didn't have in the restaurant? A lot. You know, uh, the Ryland Inn as a great, um, you know, uh, training ground. Uh, it's, you are in kind of a bubble there. You know, and, and work. I worked in a bunch other locations, but really, it, it is a bubble um, in, in a good way, positive way. You know, but 
than being here and being in, exposed to the different levels. Like, you know, level one was upstairs here and, and uh, then going into level two and, and cooking for family for everyone. And it really it, – it was definitely a, a different perspective of what I was doing. And, and uh, I don't ever think – uh, I think it's it's the first thing first thing that people say, right? Uh, you're going to learn something every day. So regardless of what your knowledge is, I still I learned so much coming in here. Um, I, I definitely think it is what made me today, um, and I'd probably be on a different path if I just stayed at the Ryland and went somewhere else. Really? Yeah, I do. Why? And, and how did it change your path? Well, it, it exposed me to a lot of um, different people, uh, definitely different people. Uh, uh, geez, um, like really one of the first great experiences and, and people besides Craig of who I wanted to be like was I was in the Fulton Market one morning because now, you know, I'm a young commie and you want to absorb all the knowledge possible and I'm there and uh, sure enough, uh, Joe Barely Coes comes in. Oh, no. Yeah. From the Bernadette. Oh, yeah. But, you know, the he, God. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, that's what it was. And, and here comes this guy. Uh, gets out of a cab and you know dressed to the to the hill dressed to the nines smoking a cigarette with a bottle of cognac and two gorgeous women and i'm like oh my god this guy's not even a beetle he's like a rolling stone and just walks through and says this this no yes okay let's go and into the cab and off he went and i said that's who i want to be <laughs> you're right I mean, my gosh oh, my like, if i could be that Wow. Yeah, you know, and and uh, so you know, and then along the way, uh, you, you know, you're you're here at school and and you're working and going to school and learning, and and you know, like an Eric Repair comes walking through, or a Daniel Balud comes walking through, and you know, you're just exposed, and, and it's not like you can't go up to them, you know, when you're sitting there, and and I'm cutting fish one day, and an Eric Repair comes up to you and goes, "Oh, what are you doing?" You, you know, like you freeze. <laughs> You're afraid to touch the the fish. You're I'm gonna, like, oh, yeah. Oh my God, what do I do? You know, but it, they're also approachable. Yeah. No. Um, Chefs are generous. They yeah. nurture. We're going to take a break yeah. here, and we'll be right back. This is Chris Howell from Cane Vineyard and Winery, calling in from Spring Mountain above the Napa Valley. Thank you for listening to this show. In our industrial world of highly processed food and wine, we support the values of Heritage Radio Network. All of us at Cane encourage you to seek out individuality and beauty in everything you eat and drink. To learn more about us, go to Cane5.com. Welcome back. Uh, to, you're listening to Chef's Story, and today my guest is Chef Michael Corey, who is the head concept chef for OTG um, Restaurant Group. Well, Michael, you're talking, so you get out of school. Where was your first job? Well, I worked all through school. So uh, I was yeah, working course, since um, at the Ryland, and then I had left the Ryland, and I went to work at a... Um, a restaurant called the Frenchtown Inn in Frenchtown, New Jersey, uh, which, uh, uh, ironically, uh, I went in there one day. Uh, Andy, um, who is Andy Tomko, who owns the 
in, just purchased it with his wife. He was my age. He had gone through, I think he went to Johnson & Wales. I worked at the Black Swan and really, you know, uh, and he was interested in giving me a shot, you know, and, and really did. And I spent a good couple of years with him. And um, one of really my uh, favorite teachers besides uh, Chef Henri was uh, uh, Chef Jacques and uh, Richard. And he used to come out there on the weekends. So almost every weekend he would come out and have lunch at the inn, which was, you know, to me just so cool because it's uh, that part of the Delaware. They have lots of antiquing and and, and so forth. So uh, I worked with Andy for a couple of years. Uh, Went back to Craig, who was, you know, basically uh, my uh, Epicurean father and said, okay, you know, here I am in my life. Like, what is my next step? And um, I had got an offer from the Inn of Washington, Inn of Washington, Virginia. And With uh, Patrick O'Connell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I forget their HR person. Uh, I think her name was like Ann Shahid. So when she saw my name, you know, of course, immediately on the phone, she's like, you're Lebanese? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and she, she warned me, okay, when you come down here, be prepared. Make sure you have everything because it's 45 minutes to get, you know, if you get your toothpaste. You know, you're, you're traveling for 45 minutes. Um, and and Craig was like, you know, that's great. You're doing that kind of stuff here with us, and let's. Why don't you go to Charlie Trotter's? I'm like, yeah, yeah sure. Well, like, why don't I uh, become the president? So he goes, no, no, I'll, I'll make a phone call. And uh, sure enough, the next day I was on a flight uh, to Chicago with a uh, garbage hefty bag of my clothes, and and uh, ended up in Chicago, um, which was kind of funny. Um, I actually stayed um, at, at a girl I went to culinary school with. Her sister and her husband had a, a condo, you know, like a um, kind of a walk-up in, in Lincoln Park, which is gorgeous. But I got there early. I didn't know anybody. I had my bag, and there was a place called Frankie's. So I went in to have a beer. The guys just took one look at me, and they go, hey, what eggs are you from? And I said, what are you, a smart, you know? Like, no, no, we're from Hoboken. <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, how can you tell him from Jersey? He's like, it's very easy to tell somebody from New Jersey. <laughs> um, so that was really interesting. You know, uh, Chai Trotter's kitchen was completely like anything I had never seen before. Okay, tell us how. Um, you know, kind of how we set the uh, restaurants up in, in uh, the airport is really not – too far off of what Charlie Trotter's was. You know, you were responsible for all of your own um, pot washing and cleaning up after yourself. There, was, there wasn't there was a dishwasher. There was really only a person that um, st- steamed the uh, stemware. Um, so as you're working all through the day, you're responsible for your sheet pans, your pot, your pans, your tongs, um, as well as... Uh, yeah, 36 different purveyors coming in every day. Uh, no walk-ins. Yeah, a couple three-door three door Charlestons in the back of the restaurant. Um, and you made everything every day. You know, it was truly uh, pretty aggressive. Yeah, and aggressive. Um, so... How many in the kitchen? There's, uh, if I remember correct, there was like 17 of us. And, and really, uh, a kitchen that was... 
N- not very big. Like you, I perceived it was going to be a big. Like at the Royal and Inn, we had like a classic French kitchen that way with the the French tops and everything. This was really quite uh, stuffed. I mean, you were we were jammed in there pretty good. Um, what did you learn from Charlie? Um, you know, I, I guess what I learned. I learned, I guess, what I did not want to do. Um, you know, I guess my style of cooking, it was just, it seemed like there was just so many different ingredients. And it was, to me, a lot of it was overthought, where, you know, I definitely have the more of the Mario Batali uh, philosophy of, you give me three, give me three ingredients, and, and I'll give you some that tastes very good. Um, but it was very good. You know, it was, it was good to you, – you definitely learn how to work with people in tight, tight quarters for long hours. And, and uh, if anything, I walked away with, uh, um, I guess, more of a Marine mentality of, you know, you, I run into people like uh, Bill Kim or uh, Michelle Geyer or, you know, Giuseppe or one of these guys that worked there. Um, and, you know, you, you see these folks and it's kind of, you know, you've been through the war with them, you know. Which was really kind of cool. What was the most delicious thing you remember cooking there? Wow. Um, what was the most delicious thing at the Ryland Inn? Ryland Inn. I see. That's funny. Okay, I could tell you. It is uh, my nemesis. His. Uh, I was in charge of his of his lobster tart. So you actually drop the lobster uh, to water. And then you broke the lobster, and then you built the uh, tart with a foamed uh, chanterelles and foamed uh, uh, Bert Blanc, uh, saffron Bert Blanc, if I remember correctly. I mean, I only did it probably a, about a, a billion times, um, and you built this tart. So on a Saturday night, when the <laughs> the pot is, you know, he, he only had this the oblong, and the lobsters are screaming at you because you can't get them into the water deep enough, and... <laughs> what a horrible thought <laughs> But really that's I mean uh, I thought that was The, the coolest You know oh, Interesting um, So When So after Charlie's What happened when, when did you start Getting into the OTG uh, How did you get Recruited there Was there a lot of time Between Yeah there was I owned, I owned uh, You know I had Worked for uh, For Mario Batali uh, and Mark Ladner. Uh, oh, at uh, uh, Mark and I were at Lupa, Lupa? together. Um, oh, Lupa was phenomenal. It still is. Uh, you know, honestly, it's truly the only restaurant that I've worked at that I go back to eat at. And I literally was just there last week. I popped in, uh, had a meeting late in the city. I said, you know what? I, I, I need a Montreata. You know, I just need and popped in, had a glass of wine and, and a bowl, and popped back out to Jersey. But um, so I, I, I had the uh, pleasure of working for uh, for Mario and, and working with Mark, who still is probably one of my uh, closest friends, who's uh, amazing. He's terrific. He really Mark is. Mark Ladner. He really is. Um, and, they and call him Puck. That's you know, right. <laughs> that's funny. Because he, he he's the one who really brought Lupa to where it is. Oh, I mean, you know, honestly, uh, I would argue with any of those guys. I think he brought Bobo. The reason why anybody spoke about Bobo was because of him, quite honestly, and, and his experience 
uh, with Wiley and, and working on Jean George and having that vision of taking and making really pretty food and putting an Italian spin on it, you know, and, and still being so pretty but rustic, which is really quite amazing. Um, so, Mark, uh, you know, I, I love him. Uh, and, and next time, because it's probably not appropriate on a, on a radio station, you should ask Mark what uh, – everyone has a nickname in – in the battalion organization, so mine was quite interesting. Oh, all right, <laughs> got that one. <laughs> okay, so then, uh, so you went to Lupa, and then Lupa helped open uh, Oto, and then I worked with uh, Dan Latham, and we did the uh, Salumi at Italian Wine Merchants, um, and then I was working at different locations. Uh, still working with Dan, I just thought the Salumi aspect was just so cool. Um, I opened a place in Hoboken, New Jersey with this guy, Dave Carney, who is uh, a really uh, uh, a great guy. He has a place called Madison Bar and Grill in, in, in Hoboken. It's a staple kind of place. He took a chance on me, and uh, we opened a place called The Jefferson, which uh, did really, really well. Um, and then I opened a, a French brasserie out in central New Jersey called Circa. Uh, when I was there, uh, a person I had worked for years ago uh, went and started working in the airport uh, and got in contact with me. I opened up a sushi portion of this restaurant because we own the building, and he kept calling me when I opened the sushi uh, restaurant, and he's our COO now, Scott Eidelberg, and he wanted to talk to me. And I said, you know, Scott, I tell you what, don't be cheap about this. Bring your wife out. You could see me at the sushi bar, and you could talk all you want. Spend some money, you know? Like, I'm trying to make a living here. And he did, and he was telling me about this, this, this guy, Rick Blatstein, and what he wants to do in airports, and, you know, I, I just couldn't get my head around it. And he goes, just come out and meet us. So I went to LaGuardia with uh, Rick and, and Scott, and really it was a consulting job uh, to do Terminal 5. And uh, Rick at LaGuardia. was, that was uh, at JFK, terminal, JFK. Uh, the JetBlue uh, terminal. And, and we spoke for the afternoon. And, uh, you know, Rick was like, oh, Scott tells me that you're friends with a lot of these guys in the city. This is what we're trying to do. And I sat and I listened to this guy's vision and his passion and, and what he wanted to do. And I was like, man, this guy is like, he's out there, but really, really cool. And he was like myself. He was a blue-collar guy, had, was in a nightclub business in Philly, and, and really just had a true vision, you know? What year was this? Uh, it was 10 years ago. And uh, at the end of the conversation, he was like, well, why don't you come work with us? Why don't you come work for us? So I was like, well, you know, I, I have a restaurant. I own the building, you know. He goes, okay, well, you could do all that here. I'm like, Wow, you know, am I going to, I have this French brasserie, you know, I want to open another restaurant, you know, I mean, you try to keep up with a Keith McNally or, or Mary Batali on the things that I do, what they do, um, or for once be not behind the eight ball, but be able to do all different kinds of things. I said, wow, yeah, you know what, this sounds great. And in true Rick style, it goes, Great. You could sell your restaurants and, and uh, you start in, in a month and a half. Sell your restaurants. <laughs> and, and, and you month. start a month and a half. 
so I got in the car and called my wife, who was running our restaurant. And I said, hey, um, she goes, Michael, I can even hear it in your voice. You're up to something, I could tell. I said, <laughs> yep, uh, get our real estate person, because uh, we're selling, and uh, we're moving back to the city. <laughs> so I'll be back out there in a, a couple hours to start uh, on the line. And, uh, but no, we did. We uh, sold to our original partner. And, uh, Is it still running? Yeah, yeah it's still there. Oh, okay. uh, 12 years, uh, yeah. uh, going strong. And um, we moved to Jersey City. Uh, and uh, yeah, we own T5. All right. Well, we're going to take a, it's a good place to take a little break and we'll be back. You're listening to Chef Story, and this is Dorothy Can Hamilton, and my guest today is Michael Corey uh, with the OTG Restaurant Group, which specializes in airports. So you've just 10 years sign on with these guys with a vision, um, and we all thank you. Yeah, thank <laughs> Anyone you. who's ever been stranded in a, you know, we always had vodka to turn to, but... <laughs> You know, when the good restaurants started coming in, it was a real godsend. Especially when you're you're stranded in the rest in in the terminal and you're you're delayed. I mean, you can actually eat a decent meal. So tell me, how did it all come about? And what were the cha- initial challenges of doing good food in in uh, in a terminal? You know, I think the initial challenges were just challenging yourself. You know, making that commitment to do fresh and sustainable foods. And, and uh, I think it worked basically because I didn't know any other way of, of doing, you know. Um, and Rick, uh, that is what he was wanted. So it wasn't like I was getting any pushback from him. If anything, I was getting a fire lit under my butt saying, you know, well, if we're doing this, we should be doing this, this, this. Like, why aren't we making guacamole table side? And why aren't we making the sauces fresh? Why aren't we having our chefs go to Union Square Market three times a week and buying? And that's what we they do. They do that? Oh, yeah. Every chef in, in all of our locations, whether in the New York area, Minnesota, Philadelphia, Toronto. All right, wait, wait. For the listenership out there. Where are your airports? Because this is where we want to fly into. Uh, well, we uh, just took over. Newark Terminal C is our, is, is our newborn right now. That's United. Uh, uh, yes, United. Uh, and we're doing some really aggressive, interesting stuff uh, there. Um, as well as you know, everywhere else. Uh, LaGuardia, Terminal C and D. We're in uh, those locations. Are you going to be working with a big billion-dollar overhaul there? You know, I'm not real sure of, of what we're, uh, our plans are for the future there. Yeah, I think that's going to take 10 years, so I think you have yeah, a little it's, time. Yeah, a little bit of time. Yeah. But knowing Rick, Rick uh, is not big with the time thing. He's yeah. going to yeah, make he's... sure we're doing something and, and keep going forward. Right. So, um, so you're ter- Minnesota, Minnesota. Uh, LaGuardia. LaGuardia, JFK, Newark. Where in JFK are you? Uh, JFK, we're in Terminal 8, Terminal 5, and Terminal 2. 
Um, with Do you take over all of the food service in those terminals? Uh, you know, world domination is definitely something, if you read our, <laughs> our, our uh, creed and our motto, is something that we'd like to do. So, um, yeah, that's when we go into a project, that's another one of Rick's, I, I, I think, I'm going to speak for him, uh, one of the things that uh, he likes as well as we all do because we're able to express ourselves in, in a bunch of different concepts instead of just one. Um, and, and we like to have something unique to each of the concepts that we do, whether it is table side or um, we're, we've been playing a lot with these grill works grills where you're feeding wood. You know, we're burning real wood in, in airports and, and doing some neat stuff. Uh, uh, making we, we have Abruzzo. We work with the Carbone Group that uh, we make – uh, mozzarella to order. So if you order uh, right now with the tomatoes. This is in the airport? Oh, yeah. Where? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I Terminal want C. that. Terminal Term- C. You order the Terminal mozz- C United? United. Since when? Uh, we've been there doing that for probably about the last year. Oh, okay. Yep. I have to switch airlines again. Yeah, I have sure. to go United. We'd yeah. be more than happy to yeah. help you change that ticket and come yeah. in. Yeah. Uh, so really, that has been our, our, our big focus. But we're in Toronto. Uh, in both terminals up there, which we have... Uh, so is it you have five uh, restaurants out of eight, or do you have all eight restaurants? Or, you know, do they have McDonald's next to you? I mean, how you does know, it work? So it depends. It depends, uh, really, I guess, working with what some of the needs and wants are from the cities that we're in. So at times there would be a McDonald's, but we came up with our own... Uh, burger fast. place? Yeah, quick serve. So we worked with uh, called uh, Custom Burgers. So our first Custom Burgers was with uh, Pat LaFrida. Oh, my gosh. So how delicious. me, Pat, Mark, and uh, Rick came up with a, a burger size, you know, fresh. It gets delivered every day um, with our own blend. And uh, you get a beautiful cooked, seasoned uh, burger, uh, quick serve burger. I uh, hate to say it like that, but, you know, so in, in that forum. Uh, so we like to have alternatives, and so, you know, we can give you something that's... Are, are, so is that uh, a sit-down restaurant, or is that a stand-up, and is, you, is Shake Shack your competitor there? Um, well, Shake Shack is in, in uh, Terminal 4, and we're in Terminal 2, which we did a uh, concept with uh, Cesare. Uh, uh, our dean here, oh, Italian. But well, my my wife used to run Salumeria Rossi ah, with him. Yeah. So, but I was using Cesare and Republica beans. Oh, I love his. Well, beans. before you know, I was with uh, Yvonne, and uh, you know, phenomenal. And ended up staying part of my honeymoon with his mom in Luca with <laughs> with Yvonne and myself, and it was great. But uh, so they're in Terminal Four. We're in Terminal Two. You know. Uh, same, uh, similar concept, um, but yeah, sure. You know, it's so. How how many employees do you have now, and how many uh, chefs working for you? Well, chefs. Each location has its own chef. So, uh, ooh, I think you got me on the spot on that one. That I'm not. I couldn't give you a, a real number on that. Um, so, how do you how do you go about recruiting? Who do you recruit? And do you have real cook? You have real cooks? In oh, the- sure. So, each of our locations, we have a terminal chef, which you know they have great resumes uh, from whatever city that we're in, um, and then each of our chefs for locations, 
Uh, same thing. You know, I, I think we're fortunate where we have what we have the ability to do what I think a lot of restaurateurs can't do in the city is we're able to recruit because, you know what, you get a little older, you get into your 30s, the ideal of being the next Jackson Pollock of food has come and gone. Now you have a wife, you have a family. You know what, you, you, your whole world isn't being in a restaurant or a kitchen for 18 hours. With OTG management and working with us, you know, you have the ability to have a five-day work week, um, benefits, a 401k program, paid vacations, and being able to work with every purveyor that a great restaurant in New York uses. We use the same ones. So whether it's D'Artagnan or La Frida, our entire meat program is prime dry-aged meat, uh, uh, True World Foods to, like I said, every chef in all of our locations, whatever food, uh, whatever uh, green market is in that city, our chefs are required to go there three days a week to grab for specials. And um, oh wow! Yeah. So, and now you're the head concept chef. Mm-hmm. Is there a head operating chef in OTG? I work with a guy by the name of Dan O'Donnell. So really, it's a uh, which is great for me because I have ADD. So, you know, to be able to wear different hats and do different things, uh, I, I need that because I would just probably go insane if I was just doing one thing. So tell us what the future food is in the airports. What are the exciting new concepts that you're working on? Um, let's see. I'm trying. <laughs> what can you tell yeah, yeah, us Yeah, that's about? what I'm trying to do. Actually, you know, you're going to see some really interesting things coming to Newark um, and our future of we just started also uh, going into Houston, Texas. So part of what we love to do is we work with the great talent of whatever city that city has to offer. So in New York here, we've worked with Michael Lamonaco, Alan DeCasse, uh, the Carbone Group, um, geez, uh, Andrew Carmelini, um, Dal Telday, who is uh, phenomenal, uh, Dan Kluger, uh, Riyad Nasser, um, Lee Hansen. So, you know, that's, they work with us on the, on the type of concepts that they're known for to really try to get that authentic feeling for that city. So we're just starting in Houston. So knowing what Houston has to offer, we're going to bring that to the airport. Oh, with a whopping punch. We're going to So do the, do these chefs um, have part stake in these restaurants or are they just consultants for Yeah, them? so that's what's different about what we do. They're consultants and and cons- true consultants in the word uh, that, you know, they're there and we work with them on menu and and using whatever sources and resources that they use. So we just opened up, we opened up two locations with Dale Telday. One of them caps an Asian beer garden, which is really, really awesome. The food that Dale helped us create is just... Now, where is this one? In Houston? No, this one's in, in Newark also. In Newark? Yeah. Oh, my God. And, i, I got to go somewhere so and, I can go out there. <laughs> and then we just opened up a really awesome dumpling concept with him called Little Purse. Oh, and you, we make, so, you know, when you go into to Little Korea on 33rd and, and 5th and you could see 
the making dumplings in the window. Sure. So we're making dumplings out, oh. you know, right in front of you. Uh, we do everything from soup dumplings to we uh, make a, a bunch of them. We resource with Dale, the same ones that he uses at Telday. And uh, it is such a unique, cool little spot. All right. Um, what what do you think of the new $15 an hour uh, minimum wage? And how is that going to affect your company? You know, I don't think it's going to affect it in, in a bad way. I think it's going to affect it in a positive way. I think, uh, you know, you, people want to learn. People want better for themselves because... I was one of those people. I am one of those people. Uh, so, you know, to, to be able to go to work and not have to worry about how I'm keeping the lights on or it's one less thing you have to worry about when you get to work, you know. And, and uh, if anything, uh, I, you know, I just hope uh, people don't use it as a resting point. I hope they use it as a leverage point to accelerate, you know, especially with a company like ours. You you talk to Rick, uh, and you want to do something. Say you you know you're right now you're a cook, but you really have a really strong um, passion for technology. I guarantee you, he will put you with the right person, and if that's what you want to do, that's what you will be doing. And and I think that's what makes us completely different than any other company and really innovative. So, I, I think uh, when you get it with uh, like-minded people. You want to excel, and you want to do better for yourself, and that's why I think the, for us at least, I think the $15 an hour can propel people. That's a great way to look at it. Um, how many restaurants now in total? Ooh, we are getting uh, uh, close to the three, uh, 300. We're like, uh, like around, I think, 250-plus with the, the new ones coming into we uh, – we have another location that we just uh, going to start working on. I can't speak about, but and with with uh, Houston, and you just opened Philadelphia too recently, didn't you? We have. That's where OTG started. Oh, is Philadelphia. Okay. So we have uh, locations down there. We opened uh, our last location. We opened there uh, was in the F terminal with Jose Garces. Who that guy is just he is awesome. He is awesome. Um, Amada here. Man, that thing is just, it's killer. Yeah. Uh, so being able to work with him is is really, really cool. We opened up a location in Philadelphia with him. That was great. That was our last location. Are you always going to stay in airports? Yes. That, I could tell you, that Rick, like, we'll, we'll go out to dinner somewhere. And believe me, we go out to dinner and check out what everybody's doing and, and – <laughs> We'll sit there and be having dinner, and Rick will go, you know what? I'm glad we don't do this anymore. You know, like, <laughs> just thinking about what they're doing, and we have our own niche, and, and we're going to be friends with all these guys and really enjoy everything they do, and we have our own thing, and, and we're good with that. Yeah. And, and you know what? He's right. We are. <laughs> you are We good are good at, with that. Yeah. And, uh, if, what's the hardest thing about operating a restaurant in an airport? I think in the beginning... I think in the beginning, when I started uh, with the recruiting of having chefs consult with us, I think the perception of what an airport is. So, thank God I knew Mark 
Ladner, because he was the first one to believe in what I was. Actually, I went and I spoke to Mario and Joe first. And Joe goes, you know, look, that's not really. Joe Bastiano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, about. sorry. Yeah, yeah. And Joe's like, you know, Mike, it's not really for us. But did you think about talking to Mark? I'm like, well, geez, you know, I didn't want to overstep my bounds. I mean, yeah, I'd love to talk to Mark. And Mark, you know, knew me. And he really, uh, he's like, if you're going to do what you say you're going to do, then let's do it. Because I think it's really cool because I'm sick of going into airports and. Which uh, airport was that and what restaurant? Terminal 5, Aeronova, which are in, at, at, uh, JFK. JFK. Which our first executive chef for Aeronova was Mario Carbone. Uh, and Aaron, that's the JetBlue terminal? Yeah. Okay. So Mark says to me, the only way I'm going to do it, if we're going to, I'm going to place a chef for you guys out there because I know I'll protect my name that way. And, and that was Mario Carbone. So, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Mario was our uh, first chef for uh, Aeronova for uh, a little over a year, and and then you know, forget it. He just <laughs> he, he flew. Oh, yeah. He came out of a he came out of a, a phone booth and took off to you know yeah. Krypton. You know, yeah, just yeah. really just took off. Yeah. Uh, and, and we're real good friends with them. They've worked uh, now consulting with us on, in uh, Newark, and he's a great uh, ally and great friend. You know. Right. Um, so getting them to believe in what we are doing. Uh, now, you know, when people are able to see what we're able to do, now I think it's more on the, on the crew member uh, end of it um, and having chefs getting regular uh, a la carte chefs saying, well, you could do the same food at the airport. Uh, so that part of it, I think, is still – there's still a challenge there. In some ways, I think it might be more exciting because, you know, famous chefs and people all travel. And so if you're going to be out at Newark and you know there's a good restaurant there, you know, you'll say, let me get there a couple hours early. Sure. I mean, ch- check it out. You could have a lot of famous people eating in your restaurant and appreciating your food. And they do. You know, they do every day. That's the difference. You're 100 mm. percent right. Mm. Um, you know, when, say, the South Beach Food and Wine Festival is going off, there is... Every chef and every known chef in New York City and critic and person going through to go down there. So <laughs> it's right. really kind of a in- fun, interesting time at that point. Well, we're going to have to bring this to a close. I got one last question for you. What's a challenge for you now? It seems like you're still, after 10 years, really excited about this concept. What keeps it, what keeps it exciting? Uh, I would have to say Rick. Uh, Rick Blasting keeps it pretty exciting. Uh, and he... Uh, Definitely uh, keeps his foot on the gas pedal all the way to the floor and challenges us with um, the concepts and the things and the visions and things we're going to do in the future are so uh, aggressive and really cool, and and you'll see uh, coming up. So airport food's just going to get better, huh? Yeah, it's it's definitely not going to go backwards for us. It's going to continue to go forward. It's not even going to stay... (laughs) <laughs> level level it's gonna go it's good i'm yeah. glad to hear it as a frequent flyer <laughs> thanks a lot for coming by no, today I, I appreciate everything and this, and, and this is such an honor to be back here and doing this with you thank oh, you oh well we're very proud of you take thanks. care Bye. and i'd like to do a shout out to robin cohen my producer and we'll see you next time
Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.